Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Modern Wisdom. Today, I am joined by Johnny and Yusuf from propanefitness.com, and we are discussing the fitness menopause. This is a concept which I came up with about two or three years ago when I started doing CrossFit, and I realized that I'd never really liked bodybuilding all that much. I'd just kind of fallen into it. And this is a common theme I'm seeing with many bros and... What's a female bro, bro lifter, like a chick lifter, bro, bro, brodette, brunette? Anyway, chicks, chick lifters, uh, bros and chicks that pivot from doing a classic bodybuilding style split, push pull legs or, you know, five part body part split. And then they get towards their 20s or 30s and they think, oh, hang on a second. I never actually really enjoyed this. And they start to do yoga or fighting or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or CrossFit or Pilates or any one of a million other athletic pursuits. And the goal of today is to try and red pill you that your training regime might not be quite what you want out of an exercise routine. It very well may be. You may love bodybuilding. You may absolutely adore doing push-pull legs, but hopefully today will give you some food for thought and potentially uh, open your eyes to a world of exercise which you haven't considered before. But for now, it's time for the fitness menopause with Johnny and Yusuf. I'm joined by Johnny and Yusuf from propanefitness.com. Look at Hello. that. So good to see you. Are you doing some boxing? I was just enjoying the, the effect. You're it's like quite a, you're like a cat. Uh, today, we are talking about the fitness menopause. It's something that we've dropped on podcasts for the last couple of years. And we keep getting questions about it. And I was recently <clears throat> on a Cambro Conversations podcast and red-pilled a bunch of his audience by teaching them what the fitness menopause is. So we thought we'd have a good discussion about it today. Um, I'll start off. I'll try and give a, a broad definition so everyone knows what we're talking about. And then we'll, we'll take it from there. So fitness menopause was something that I'd identified within myself toward my late 20s when I'd been doing bro lifting, fitness stuff, bodybuilding for a while and realized as I became chronically aware of my own mortality as I approached 30, uh, realized that I was getting out of breath going up a, a big hill and I was kind of a little bit bored of just doing, you know, chest Mondays and chest Tuesdays and chest Wednesdays and curls and stuff like that and training purely for aesthetics and I was just disenchanted. I kind of lost my love with training. Um, certainly lost the motivation to do it without really grinding myself to get out of bed and, and go to the gym. Um, so then just started trying to do different things. Went and did Thai boxing and normal boxing, started doing yoga, then got into CrossFit. Um, and the fitness menopause describes a period, I think, in a lot of fitness people's lives who perhaps have just entered into the world of training by doing bodybuilding or bro style lifting um, from just the age of teens or early 20s or whatever and then never tried anything else and as they approach their late 20s they think oh hang on like this this maybe isn't fulfilling me in quite the way that I thought 
How do you think about that as a definition? You reckon that's about right? I, I mean, that's about right. right. It, it applies to a very specific subsection of people. And are, are we millennials or are we... No, we're technically, we, yeah, it's 84, 84 till 96. It, okay, so, so I think in that case then, <clears throat> millennials tend to fall into this bracket quite well because there was this surge of the popularity of weightlifting, bodybuilding, that kind of stuff, kind of coinciding with like, T Nation's rise and fall, and then bodybuilding.com, and all of these like, um, like simply shredded. Remember that? Oh god! Yeah, simply simply shredded. Jesus Christ! So all all of those kind of things, and so most eighteen to twenty-two year old guys got swept up in this, and usually it was the only kind of physical activity they did, apart from maybe five aside, which is the other like (laughs) most popular young male activity um <laughs> I've, standard I've, I've heard <laughs> so yeah I, I think most people will have gone through a few years of that and johnny and i always say that the minimum entry requirement to even consider having been in the fitness menopause or gone through it is you have to have done three to five years of pec deck and leg press <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just how i think like anyone that like you know when you feel like you're one of these people who did something before it was cool? So I think we all did fitness before it was cool. Yeah. And now there's loads of people wanting to do fitness because it's a bit cool. So like people are getting into the, the strength sports and starting. And you just think like you're you just mean, missing. You mean real, real fitness. You haven't had the induction. <laughs> you haven't had like the, like, have you ever spent weeks trying to improve your hammer kill, for example? That's because you... <laughs> Because you were t- you were read an article on T Nation that, that spoke about how it slight- attacked the biceps slightly differently, and you felt like that was what your life was missing. Yeah. Did you, you did you practice two kilogram uh, Arnold press just so that you could really get the form down? Um, yeah. So you, you're totally right. Here's my reasoning for why I think people fall into bodybuilding. Timing's one of them. So definitely, if you're anyone, probably now in 2020 between the age of 26 and 34 probably you'll have been a seen this rise teenation bodybuilding.com muscle and fitness stuff like that it's if you know if you know who ziz is if you know who ziz is yeah that's, that's it. it like that's the that's the certificate like if, if you know who ziz is this will all completely make sense, sense to you and you'll just be sat there nodding along if you don't know who ziz is this will be like why i quite like go, go google him um yeah so here's my reasoning timing's one of them um, but my other reason, and this is why I, I think the front end of the bodybuilding and fitness training, that kind of fitness training funnel continues to get good traffic in the front end, <clears throat> is that it's the <clears throat> type of training with the lowest mechanical barriers to entry and the lowest amount of skill requirement of any physical sport on the planet. Like I can take anyone who's listening, I can take your mum into the gym tomorrow teach her a supinated bicep curl to probably within about 80% of the compliance and proficiency that I can do it in after 15 years of training. Yeah, right. and you can increase her back weight, get her a sick taper. Um. <laughs> get her jacked. Get your mum jacked so that she looks real mean when she's walking the dog. But yeah, the, the barriers to entry to doing bodybuilding are so, so low. And people don't like doing stuff that they suck at. You know, like think about weightlifting. The snatch is essentially an impossible movement. Like, it's completely ridiculous. Physically impossible. And, and, and some people just do that and another one all their life. You know, Klockov. And still not. Klockov <laughs> just does variations of snatch and clean and jerk. And he's like, he's in his 40s and, he, and still massive. But 
You get my point. Like, people don't like doing stuff that's challenging mechanically because they feel silly. Whereas you can mm-hmm. go into a gym tomorrow and get externalized rewards, socialized rewards. Don't really need to worry about what the, what the internalized gains are. It's like, oh, well, I can't really touch my toes anymore. And maybe my shoulder aches a bit. But look at that. I've gained an inch on my chest. Well, we've all so, been involved in, hand, like, a big guy in the gym. You're, like, 19 big guy in the gym who's been like strutting around working up to a big set of incline dumbbell press and he comes out he goes like mate you just hand off the dumbbells for us please and you have to pick up the dumbbell and give it to him and then you watch him go <laughs> partial rep yeah because he feels good at it because he can just set his own rules like no one's checking his form on his incline dumbbell press it's like well i lifted the biggest dumbbells in the gym mate some so that's, the, the, that's like the the entry level, isn't it? The way you can you can even set your own rules for range of motion and everything else. Powerlifting is kind of the next level up, but it still is very much, unfortunately, like the the sport for non athletes. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's why it's got the um, the reputation of like at least a beginner and kind of low intermediate level is that it it's just got the reputation of like people who were never any good at any other sport or athletic activity mm-hmm. and. But it's just not wildly kind of, athletic, is it? Well, no, and it allows people to justify being being fat, not being able to touch their toes, like all of the kind of things that would normally just not fly in another sport. But instead, it's, diet, it's almost, too much it's caffeine, an horrible yeah, like, during training. Like, like at yeah. competition, you see people that clearly do not need like intra workout or intra competition um haribo and burgers and stuff and then they go go out for a mcdonald's at the end of the having done nine reps that day for the competition <laughs> so i'm gonna be, i am gonna defend powerlifting here i feel like people will be expecting me to <laughs> i completely agree with that until you reach like national level especially like national level in the u.s and then international level 100 percent. like when you when you bump into a polish bloke who's pulling like 410 with like neck striations you're what, like, what's happened there playing. is that you you've you're got quite someone who actually yeah that's someone who is an athlete and as you've put them into yeah. a sport which well often when you look at it like when you look at their background it's like so like tom martin you look at his background and you're like ah yeah 100 meter sprinter yeah of course of, of course but like people who like fell out of it's i think the people who who tend to like get like like we're doing rugby at a really high level stop playing rugby and then they're like oh well i, I lift weight so i might as well just do that and then before they know it, they're like podiuming yeah. at a national level, and they can't really figure out why. Because uh, like, where, like, where's the competition gone? The, the um, thing, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good point about the low end level on powerlifting. But being honest, like, watch a shite Sunday league football team play. You know, yeah. you're, not, you're not exactly going to be watching fucking Cristiano Ronaldo go at it. So you're right at the bottom end of that. But at least those football players aren't just picking the ball up and running with it and saying, oh, well, mate, this is actually a little bit better for my pec development. So um, <laughs> yeah, it true. doesn't really matter. True. So, yeah, I think that's why the, the two main reasons are uh, path of least resistance, that it's kind of quite well known and easy to do and easily accessible. And you can get a, a membership at some big corporate gym for like £15 a month, which, which is phenomenal, right? Like, you know, the fact mm. that you can get 24-hour gym memberships in a city for... 15 quid a month is just insane insane um but they're going in there to do you know what do you think a typical bodybuilding program consists of maybe 25 movements like 25 main movements yeah five days a week five Five exercises exercises a session yeah yeah something like that yeah i mean yeah it's i i just think that like 
people who are starting the fitness journey now, it's just shit for them. Like it was way better back when no one really knew what the crack was. And there was, <laughs> there was you could the, go the, years without making any progress. But like in the back of your mind, like I remember spending 40 quid on surge workout fuel from TNation, nation, pretty, pretty confident that it was bullshit. But there's that thing in the back of your mind of like, yeah, but what if it is the type of carbohydrate in there? Like what <laughs> if it is the fact frontier. that it is leucine, it is leucine rich? And this is going to be the thing for me. This is going to be like, when everyone's looking at me going, like, fuck, have you seen the progress Johnny's made? It'll be because of the surge workout feel. I remember thinking like, oh, it's got cyclic dextrins in. Maybe that's exactly what, and you, you look it up and it's like, it's the main component in Febreze spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I remember reading, I remember figuring out like, is it anthocyanin? The ingredient in Ego 3G, when you look at like some blueberry yogurts and they've got anthocyanin and you're like, mm, okay, mate, like maybe it's not that. When like my Onken yogurt also has a bit of it in, like it's probably not that special. But, but then you look over and your mum's eating some and just, just got like striations in her bicep and you're like, like separation between a bicep and tricep. You're can like, I have some up. of that? Yeah. <laughs> Mum, how long have you been eating that blueberry yogurt from Onken? <laughs> I don't um, know. Uh, fucking massive. Uh, well, you better go clean your room. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, mum. So okay, so that's that's why I think people fall into kind of let's say this path of least resistance. And here's the question that I want most people that are listening to try and answer. And it is: if you're doing a bodybuilding program, or if most of your training f- career has been spent doing bodybuilding, typical bro style training as a guy or a girl, do you like bodybuilding, or do you like exercising? Because those are not the same thing. Yeah. So I've, I've got quite strong views on this, um, which is that everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, <laughs> but nobody wants to lift no heavy ass weight. No, my, my, my thought is that everyone has. <laughs> Johnny's lost it. <laughs> it's, true. it's one of the, the ancient axioms, isn't it? Of like written in stone by Ron Coleman, PhD. Ronald. Ron Coleman, Coleman. Ah. so the reality is that everyone has bodybuilding goals there is such a small percentage of the world and that they're they're like a weird kind of like fetish group aren't they like feeders and that kind of thing that don't want less fat and more muscle so they yeah they're like 0.01 percent of people that have this weird fetish what have like an inverse bodybuilding goal but it's still a bodybuilding goal. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase the way that I put it. Do you like bodybuilding training, or do you I like see. exercise? So I, I think that probably most people. I think the number of people who like exercise probably don't like it because it's exercise. If you see what I mean, like they don't. No one likes bodybuilding necessarily. No one really likes. Even like the more modern stuff, like I know people get really obsessed with certain aspects of powerlifting, certain aspects of CrossFit. They just like what they think it's going to do for them or what they kind of get out of it. So like they get a little bit of props on social media. People share their new lift. They hit a new Fran time. Um, and I, my experience has been throughout fitness, like I desperately wanted abs because I was convinced that that was going to improve my life. Got it. And I was like, mm, all right. And then I desperately wanted a 300 kilo deadlift. Because I was like, well, that means I win if I go through Nikita Deadlift. Got it. I was like, mm-hmm, okay. And then, like, the goals just kind of drift past, and you're like, well, I could get lean again, but 
doesn't really do much for me. Like I could add ten kilos to my deadlift, but like that'd be a proper faff. That's maybe what fueled the fitness menopause for you is that you have to uh, you have to hit all these big achievements, and then mm-hmm. you're like, mm, didn't really. Yeah, well, so exactly that, I, I think that people go people attach onto a mode of exercise because they they believe that the outcome of it will be a huge deal for them. And it, to be honest, it is. Like I think that probably what what I've gained from fitness is is a big deal. But you kind of hit these milestones and then you think, all right, well, I'm kind of done with bodybuilding now. Like I've I've done it. I've taken a progress photo. I'm really happy. Maybe I should start doing something that's competitive. Maybe I'll get into triathlons or. I think I think there's a good point to be made there about the fact that you kind of do need to pay your dues. If you've got this unticked box with regards to physical development in some other area, it is a good idea to tick that first. It's that Naval Ravikantism where he says it is far easier to achieve your material desires than to recount them. And it's like, I would much <coughs> sooner not what, not be bothered about being lean because I've been lean than not mm-hmm. be bothered about being lean just because I gave up. You know? Yeah, because um, oh, yeah. you'd always have that like sense wonder, in the back of your head. I what it's like if I'm single-digit body fat. Um, but, yeah, so you know, I, I, like, like Johnny definitely ticked that box hard in the, like, you know, you, you went to, you competed at Worlds and then, you know, then realized that actually like placing at Worlds and winning Worlds is so much more effort compared to getting there. The, mm. Like, because the, the curve of like um, return on investment suddenly. For the like, people that don't know, what so is Worlds? World it's, champion. It's just the top, it's just the most, like the highest level in IPF. But which like, is, honestly, like, which is what? What's IPF? Oh, um, so there's the International Powerlifting Federation, which is often seen as being like the like the, the best one to be in because the, the rules are the most strict. They've got stringent drug testing and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think they're technically like the most strict on depth and like what you can and can't do in the bench press and all sort of stuff. And then there's the GBPF and there's the EPF, which is the European Powerlifting Federation. So if you place at nationals, you go to Europeans. If you do all right Europeans, you can sometimes be selected for worlds. And so that happened to, to me. Worlds and you've got GB uh singlet t-shirts I do. All the, the whole stuff. thing to be honest i think it's because tom martin couldn't do it that year like seriously <laughs> um but Thanks, uh, you know tom. at least I, at least i'm honest about that i think i i get really riled up by people who i'm going to offend some people here i get really riled up by you've got like people who are legit like really strong been training a long time like should be at worlds and then you've got people who get to worlds because a, a sort of an administrative process that where a box needed to be like a for someone needed to fill a form in so you've gone to worlds and like i just don't think they're the same thing personally but anyway um so like that's, i can that, hear yeah. you i can hear your tiptoeing around the issue that you're trying to get to so the reason is the reason is i watched tony cliff in the gbpf facebook group say something like i can't remember exactly what he did but it was something like um everyone's like everyone's a paper champion these days or everyone's got like a everyone's got a medal and everyone's been the europeans because of like they competed where there's only two people in the weight class and he, he really really like people got really offended and i can see why they got offended because he's he is like discrediting a lot of people mm. but the reason why i don't really like sort of saying like i went to worlds is because i i honestly i don't really feel like i deserve to be there because i think i went there because tom martin could, like if tom martin had gone He'd have probably meddled, whereas I didn't. Well, so I mean, like you have the singlet from that year, and not Tom Martin. That's, so, that's true. You know, that's say true. It, say it however you want. I don't think Tom Martin actually has that singlet at all. 
Motherfucker. So have you considered getting it framed? Or is it framed? Yeah, you told me. No, I, I, I have it like, so I have my European one mm. and then I have when SBD realised like, oh, we should really put some money into this. And it stopped just being like a Union Jack, like ironed onto a singlet and it started being like a full, you couldn't buy. Um, it's just in my drawer. Dude, you should do it. So I told you this story. Sonny Webster had his from, I think, the Commonwealth and uh, the from the Olympics. So fair enough. Framed with that, with like a special bracketed light down lighting it. And um, like, fuck it, man. I think, you know. I think if I'd been to the Olympics, I'd do that too. Bro, I just don't you've been see to it the, the highest. You have, you have made it to the peak of the sport mm-hmm. that you chose to put most of your fitness career into. I think that yeah, you deserve it. Okay. Well, thank you. I I, I see why you think that. That's, that's nice. <laughs> Even though I disagree. Can we just do a little aside just about Tom Martin? Just because. <laughs> He, Can we explain who he is briefly, please? Yeah, because so, you've so, dropped so he, his name about 20 he, times. He, he's a guy who he went a bit viral like a, a good few years ago now, probably six, seven years ago, because at 83 kilos, he deadlifted 340. And um, everyone was... It, yeah. 340 kilograms. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think, it might of, think of the heaviest thing you've ever moved in your life, ever. Probably Double even lift. the heaviest like <laughs> single object that isn't like a car that you've ever seen in your life, heavier than that. Think like small cow. <laughs> <laughs> and so and and he he didn't look like a lifter he was he was like came straight out sprinting and just happened to have a freak deadlift like obviously a lot of training as well and then people were commenting being like this isn't real or he's on drugs or whatever and and then he started to go up a weight class competed against johnny there's a great video on instagram of him on the podium doing a like a juddery deadlift and then puts it down and the camera just pans to johnny and he's just going because <laughs> um, I just come off, so I just come off the platform after having trying to pull three hundred kilos and farted at nationals. <laughs> so like it didn't even budge. It didn't even budge because he like, and then yeah, I think Yusuf heard it because he was standing behind me, but no one else heard it. Thank okay. God. Why did I mean what happened there? Did that mean that you lost your bracing tension or what? Yeah. You put all because a little in. bit of fart came well, out. You put, it, you put a belt on. You're trying to create all this like intra-abdominal pressure. How much fart was there? Just enough to just, just hit the edge off. <laughs> and you're like, ah. Oh, you need cause, cause you don't want a, everything a, to do what, a max deadlift. What's it called? Um, turtle head. Like You, you don't want that. Prairie right? dogging. No, you okay. don't want it to be prairie, prairie dog. dogging. Yeah. So I just missed 300 and then t- Tom comes and has his go. His turn. And <laughs> so this guy, like he, he hit his kind of sprinting menopause. Probably, probably at the top of his game regionally with that. Found that he had a uh, a what do they call it? A penchant, penchant oh, for <laughs> for deadlifting. Went up a weight class, hit very good levels in the in the IPF. Got sick of all of the the bollocks around that. Got loads of drug accusations. Left the IPF. Went up like two more weight classes. And just got absolutely huge and increased his deadlift by like a hundred kilos. And then started within. competing in a non-tested federation. Yeah, he's never come out and said like I've started taking drugs now. But it's quite clear when you leave a tested federation and go and compete in a non-tested federation, and all your lifts go up. It's fairly hugely as well. Yeah, it, it's in. He's squatting. I think over four hundred now. He's pulled four twenty. Tom, the, shout the, out, man. Two most impressive things he's I've ever seen him do. One was at that competition where he comes out. No hype at all. Not even, barely even a facial expression. Misses like a 270 squat in the bottom. So like goes all the way down, tries to drive up, can't even budge. You're like, ah, oh, hard lines, Tom. Good try. 
third attempt comes out exactly the same weight and smokes it. <laughs> so impressive. Like, There's a lot of caffeine that he's and then on, the, in between a, the lists. There's a video on Instagram of him passing out mid squat and like mid mid rep, and he still nearly locks it out. <laughs> like that's that's why when people say when you just said powerlifting is sort of full of people who aren't very athletic. Like there's a video of Tom cleaning 180. Like it's nothing. Jesus oh yeah. So, so, so what, yeah, what what I'm saying is like at the beginner and intermediate level, like the the barriers to entry are very low, and then so, as you approach the yeah. top, the the curve flattens so quickly, mm. and to then go from even at like world's level, as you said, to go from att- attending worlds to placing at worlds oh, becomes like a five year insurmountable task. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> okay, so that's that's I think a nice little bit of framing. So I think. Again, for the people that are listening, my my main question is, do you enjoy a bodybuilding style of training? Do you enjoy chest on a Monday and legs on a Tuesday and shoulders on a Wednesday and blah, 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 five sets of fucking 10 to 14 or whatever it might be, and I'll do me warm-ups and I'll do me external rotations and all that stuff. Sevens. Sevens. Ah, everyone loves that. Partials. Two kilo partials. Um, <laughs> like, is that what you enjoy or do you enjoy exercise? Because especially for a lot of guys that are listening, but some girls as well, you'll have done a bunch of sports at school probably after school club something like that maybe you played football or rugby or cricket or you know america baseball american football whatever it might be and then you get to college or uni and realize that there's distractions of drinking and partying and getting in relationships and stuff like that and then you think well i need something which is flexible in terms of time doesn't have very many barriers to entry and bolsters my confidence in a very socialized way rather than in uh, an achievement-sized uh, way. And um, I, I just think what it leads a lot of people to do is get to their mid to late 20s and think, fucking hell, I haven't really actually indulged my desires in terms of a physical output for a very, very long time. The type, the domain that I've been operating within hasn't actually made me feel that much better at all. I've looked jacked, do whatever... But um, <clears throat> now I'm going to try. I wonder what yoga's like. Or I wonder what fighting's like. Or I wonder what Brazilian jiu-jitsu's like. Or I wonder what CrossFit's like. And then inevitably what you see when people pivot and make that transition is that because it's, firstly, because there's novelty effect, but secondly, because they perhaps genuinely have found something that they enjoy as a sport or as an athletic pursuit, their compliance goes up. And when their compliance goes up, their training volume goes up. And when the training volume goes up, their condition and their progress increases. So you actually realize that <clears throat> perhaps stopping to a, doing a bodybuilding program, which you low-key hate, might be one of the best things you could do for your bodybuilding goals by switching to something else. Now, there's a couple of caveats. If you want to keep on making growth and gains, you need to make sure that whatever you're choosing to do has some form of of loading. It also needs to have some form of progressive overload in there. Also needs to have some form of intensity. You know, like no one's getting jacked doing yoga unless it's a very specific type of yoga, which is like a lot of power yoga with, um, you know, yin yoga isn't getting anyone jacked. Um, But yeah, my point is, I just think, a lot more people than realize it would be significantly happier doing a different type of sport. Mm. I think it kind of depends on... been through the initial yeah. phase. Yeah. <laughs> why, do they think... need, why do they need to do that? Why do they need to go through the initial e- phase? Everyone has to gain a, a basic level of muscle mass and strength. And there's so like 99% of people who I see who are untrained 
like most of their problems could be fixed by just getting a body weight squat and a body weight but you know like just hitting basic targets with even like rehab injury type stuff you you know when you see we've talked about this on other podcasts i think when you see um girls wearing ugg boots and they're like they've got like valgus knee and their hips just oh and, and they just look really like floppy, floppy and, yeah. and 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 they're always complaining of hip issues and and you're like if you just could squat 60 kilos so much of your life would be sorted out yeah clamshells twice a week <laughs> those things with the bands and yeah i think it's like it's just it's just general gaining general body awareness and what it feels like to to push yourself physically i think it's really easy to gain experience with that with like a barbell or machine based resistance training so something that i saw when um I did CrossFit for on like six months was there's people in there who clearly like found CrossFit off the, like, like you, Chris, like found it off the back of having spent a lot of time doing like bodybuilding based training. And a lot of it, like someone gives you a dumbbell, you're like, no problem. Mm-hmm. I've seen a dumbbell before, done a lot of shit with a dumbbell. Dumbbell's fine. Like the, the more sort of, and kind of the, the base layer like of, of Maslow's hierarchy and CrossFit is, is sorted. Like they can give you a barbell, they can give you they can say, Chris, jump onto that and you're fine. But if you if it what are you laughing at? I just just love like the concept of being given a dumbbell and be like, I'm familiar with one of these. <laughs> I know I know I know how this works. Well that's that's just how I felt about like if if there was a CrossFit workout where like Tim stands up and goes, Barbell here, dumbbell there, and I'm like, I can do that. Got it. But if it's like run like whoa whoa, whoa great. Okay, yeah, I, I, come didn't on, fucking, come on, I didn't fucking sign up for this <laughs> oh, hey, oh, hold on. Fucking, hold well, on. Son, uh, rub once... that out mate just yeah. rub that line out yeah. yeah um but yeah so like i think when people you, you also see the person who's like it's a first crossfit session and they've never maybe never trained before and the idea of doing like a push press if i said to either of you do a push press you're like yeah fine mm. i like, may i've done push press like you have done the eye bodybuilder shoulder spec six oh, god yeah <laughs> Like we've all done a push press. Yeah. So like you put, you put that and we've also all like taken a set to failure. Mm. Don't like pushed ourselves physically beyond where we thought. And I think you do that. Push pressed 110. That's my, that's my PB. There you go. So someone gives you a barbell with 110 on and you're like, I, 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 firstly, I kind of know what I'm capable of here. Secondly, I know what it feels like to miss. Thirdly, I, I know sort of I have a few technique cues in my mind. Give someone who's never touched a bar- barbell before and say push press that. They're like, what's a push press? What's a barbell? What? How do I and pick you it up? Kind of like, Can I do it with a mixed grip? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, yeah. There's there's something about watching someone who's moved a, a lot of barbells around. There's a certain kind of grace. Yeah. Like you never see this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it, a big. There's, 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 Honestly, man, like a big a big part of that just comes from doing athletics as a kid. But again, with that, like if there's people listening who did some form, you know, especially with girls, fucking tons of girls at my school were doing like dance or other kind of like dance associated outputs. And you think like your your proprioception, your ability to understand where your body is in space and how to move it from A to B is so much more advanced than a fucking donkey kickback. Like... Yeah. Why Why are you doing, like, three kilo tricep extensions like this? It's, it, it's when, a real regression, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when like, you've got tons and tons of biomechanical uh, biomechanical control just sat latent 
in your brain. So is that, I wonder if that's just people like compartmentalizing their, because yeah, like to have a background in dance, like the amount of proprioception you need, like I'm, you know, I, I've done gymnastics for years and I still look at the dancers and think, bloody hell, that's, yeah. that's yeah. a whole another level. So yeah, it like if you can cross over those skills and I like, I'm so grateful that I had a background in gymnastics because I see so many people at my age or even five, 10 years younger that are like, oh, I wish I did a bit more of that stuff when I was younger and it's really hard now and, and they feel really creaky. And to have just had some low level gymnastic skill when you're younger just means that, yeah, like you pick up any new skill so easily, except anything with a ball. I'm terrible at anything yeah, with you a ball. You are really? everything with a ball. But I mean, that's... Oh, with the Frisbee. Oh, just anything like bad that. With, bad with the frisbee, yeah. Throw, eh. um, yeah, that's again. That's another. That's another really good point, though. Like, think about what your athletic base is. Especially, go back to guys. A lot of guys might have done, like you say, football or rugby or something as a kid. Like, you have a really solid aerobic base. Really solid. You'll understand how to run. You'll understand how to cut and change direction. And like, you know, even just going from that to just doing five Ks. Is probably not maximizing what you're what you're capable at doing. You know, obstacle racing or something like that would actually be maximizing your uh, fitness inheritance. I suppose a little bit better. Mm. I think, yeah. I don't know. I, I, like I say, I just think. Why don't you um? Why don't you both give us a thirty thousand foot view of your fitness careers and how the how the menopause hit? I think that would be interesting. Okay. Go for it, Johnny. All right. Uh, <laughs> 15, 16, fat kid, start getting bullied. I was like, right, well, I'm not having that. So started, started, watched a Rocky film, started running, realized running wasn't the answer, read a couple of copies of Men's Health, Men's Fitness, started doing loads of curls, like loads of curls and like press-ups and all that sort of stuff. Then gym sort of progressively worked its way through. Like that's when I met Yusuf for the first time when he was doing like squats three times a week and drinking a gallon of milk a day, yep. I think. Just yeah, oh. lots of that stuff. So like lots of like, lots of. I remember like the first time trying creatine and all that sort of stuff. Just in this desperate attempt to get lean for the first time, got lean for the first time. Then realized actually like being strong and training. For, so then like did my first bulk ever, and realized that gaining what gaining weight and gaining strength was actually more exciting than losing weight and losing strength. And so did like thirteen thirteen blocks of five three one. Hit my first ever like 500 pound deadlift, squatted 200 kilos for the first time with Yusef in. Where were we? Washington? Was it not? No. Oh, to Kenton. Kenton, Kenton gym. Um, and then gym like that with, with security cameras and cages around the security cameras. Yeah, I squatted 200 kilos in the corner of that gym. Um, and that kind of became an addiction. So then got into, did my first powerlifting competition because Yusef suggested I did. Um, and it literally went like first competition, first squat. I ever did set a regional record. <laughs> Second squat I did, broke my own regional record, won that competition, went to nationals, came third, went to Europeans, went to worlds. Might they were like my might first be something one. to this. <laughs> yeah, so like there was like my first six powerlifting competitions. So I was like, this is quite fun, this. <laughs> like I get like the GB kit and all this is mint. Um but then And why do you hear? Twenty five, twenty five. Probably yeah. Twenty yeah. 2015 I went to world so 25 yeah um and then kind of after that um trying to juggle it around like propane taking off and and like doing more work in the business um and you've kind of scratched that itch so it starts to become less and less interesting and probably go back a year 
was when that came to a, a head and I was just like, man, like I just cannot motivate myself to, so I moved up a weight class as well. So for the first time in my life, about two years ago, stopped being lean all the time. And I was like, I gained quite a lot of weight and I was dealing with this other like tactically side. What? You'd tactically gained weight. Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah, like I you'd let yourself, it wasn't like you'd gone to seed or something. It's that you decided no, that you no, wanted no. to move up a weight class. So I'd, I'd had four or five consecutive competitions in the 93s where my total hadn't moved. Um, and I was having to like aggressively wake up for the competitions and all that sort of stuff. So moved up a weight class, hit bigger numbers. So hit like a 250 squat, 312 deadlift, 160 bench, ripped my adductor in the bottom of a squat. And when that happened, I was like, fuck me, man, like all this work. Got a video of that, haven't we? Yeah, of my adductor actually. Yeah. Awful. Um, I then had to chase Dexter, who was a puppy at the time, round a roundabout with a torn hamstring an hour later. Which I'm convinced was like the, that was it. The universe <laughs> just reminding you. I still remember though, I remember limping out the house, Dexter slipping out his harness and then just like bang. And you, like before you know it, you like got him in your arms. And you're like, I just ripped my adductor a minute ago, but it was fine there. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, so that led to, I remember sat watching a CrossFit documentary, like the latest one that had just come out at the time. Don't know what it would be. Redeemed in the dominant, um, maybe, or road maybe. to the road to the fittest. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, man, like, because you were at the time where you'd been doing CrossFit for maybe two years or something at that point. Um, so I did. What's the CrossFit workout? It's like ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Squat, bench, deadlift, bench, clean and jerk. Yeah, it was at regionals that year. I can't remember, but I I, I know the one that it was. It's like yeah. Cindy or no, Margaret. Whatever. Yeah, like Joanne. Um, did that and I was like, man, that would like that was actually really good fun. Then did six months of CrossFit. Then I injured myself again twice in uh, the open. So I was doing twenty one fifty nine, twenty one fifty nine with the deadlifts and handstand walks. Um, and I just approached one forty like it's just one forty. How bad can this be? You get like seven reps in, and you're like, yeah, quite bad, quite, quite bad, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I like dinged my hamstring a little bit, did my wrist doing clean and jerk. And now I'm kind of, like, honestly, at the moment, I'm kind of just fitness is just like de- totally deprioritized for me. Mm. It's a bit of a shame, but it does feel like what, where I am at now is the thing that I'm aggressively chasing. So if I go back to like 19 year old me, I was aggressively chasing fitness. I was aggressively chasing being leaner, getting stronger um, because of what I thought I'd get from it. Um, and now I think probably the same thing for me is business and like per- other areas of personal development and all that sort of stuff. Um, just because I think I know that if I put more effort into my fitness, what I'd get out of it's probably not what I maybe once expected. So that's kind of my journey. I like it. Sad, you, sad, I think, I guess. No, I, I think it's cool. Seth, why don't you give us yours? So yeah, <clears throat> um, met I think met Johnny in like the school gym at the age of 16 um, I was doing all sorts of stupid stuff, like all the like Pavel Tatsulin, and I can't even remember the name of the guy who was making you do like a thousand Hindu squats and Hindu press ups every day. Yeah. It was called like com- combat core conditioning or some- something like that. Um, I- I've got an image of Johnny trying a pre workout for the first time. Like it-, it became as like a free sample in like a magazine. <laughs> and then had like, Matt, yeah, had yeah. like two cables behind him. Um, so holding onto the cables and doing like a loaded sprint and then stepping back and doing that again. Um, 
<laughs> then I discovered the strong lift five by five program. Didn't you do? Sorry to interrupt. Didn't you do like an arm program that was like arms MX five thousand or something? Oh, didn't probably you? yeah. Like all kinds of. Sure, there's it because your original like transformation article, you were talking about doing like really high volume arm work. Oh yeah, I've I, I've basically done every like free ebook and <laughs> and like ridiculous program that and like surprisingly none of it worked one because i ate like an absolute pigeon um then i I bought some whey and i had like one scoop of it or like almost a scoop of it once once every day that i was training and i was thinking like oh that'll that'll be it like despite eating maybe 800 calories a day started the strong lift five by five program which that's when progress started to move up just because i was using a barbell doing some kind of progressive overload did the squats and milk program which is where you take so three times a week, you take your 10 rep max with a squat, which uh, there was no squat rack. So I had to just set up the bar onto like, um, gymnastic horses, wasn't it? school, horse, yeah, school gymnastic yeah. horses, like get underneath it, like squeeze underneath and then start my set. You do a set of 10, which is your 10 rep max. And then you keep the bar on your back and you take five to 10 deep breaths and you do another rep and you keep doing that until you hit 20. And then you have a gallon of milk a day. So I was having a gallon of whole milk. 4.7 liters of whole milk every day just sat in class um and i remember doing this and like throwing up raspberry whey down my top while i had the bar on my back um <laughs> doing these like squats and milk being so out of breath and just like and, and like this was in a, a this was in like a, a gym where again no squat rack you just have to like fashion together a bunch of kit so i must have just looked a bit mental um then Went to uni, got uh, got a coach based on Johnny's. No, no, in fact, this was sorry before this. So I was fifty nine kilos, stayed around that weight. Went to uni, gained thirty one kilos over <laughs> three months. So that is half my body weight um, by basically drinking a pint of cream, a pint of double cream every night before bed, glasses of olive oil between meals, uh, cheesecake in the blender. Just like quality and weight, I, then real quality, quality weight. Oh, real quality weight. My lifts didn't go up at all during that period. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's all muscle because my t-shirts were fitting tighter. Um, so did that. Had uh, mutant mass as well, mm. like a weight gain that's like two thousand calories per serving. Lots of vomiting throughout this period, just from like not from like uh purging but just from like being so full mechanically that if you make any sudden movements it all just comes out a bit comes out well i mean if you if you're carrying a really full <clears throat> pint across a, a busy bar and someone knocks into you right it goes it goes all over the floor yeah <laughs> and so after that got lean um later on started to gain more weight again Did you remember like, why you got lean uh, just because this is when we were setting up propane, we were like, "Oh, we we need a uh, we need a transformation," and then I was like, "I'll I'll give it a go." I'm probably like two weeks off being lean. <laughs> you were like ninety kilos at the time. Ninety kilos. And it I remember out- sitting in the kitchen of my like uni accommodation with the two of us and Dan, and we we're like, "Yeah, we'll start a fitness website." And then we all looked at each other like, oh, "One of us is going to have to get in shape for this," and you were like. I'll do it. And then you, I remember you did it rapid fat loss program. Oh, you were eating yeah. peppers and doing like high intensity interval training and 
Because it was a protein sparing modified fast, yeah, like 700 calories a day of just protein. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think I was just so deeply experimental and just wanting to just try anything for for giggles. Um, Later on, did a powerlifting competition. Johnny and I started going to different competitions. Um, Then hired a coach on Johnny's recommendation, who was Eric Helms. We've had him on the podcast multiple times now. Um, Got very lean, like silly lean by this point, like could see pancreas secreting insulin, um, <laughs> like would walk past the window and just see like like striations and fasciculations in like the top of your chest and stuff. And like, you know, when you start to see like in, in your jaw as well, yeah. had that, um, got pretty unwell with how lean I was, like just always run down, like super food anxious super like just dysfunctional susceptible or being ill erectile oh, dysfunction all the stuff that we all of that yeah like really wired all the time as well did an olympic lifting competition did multiple powerlifting competition like smashed the powerlifting competitions in that weight class because i was just i just wasn't a 74 kilo lifter i was a 83 kilo lifter hiding in <laughs> in the weight class below because i've managed to like eliminate all body fat you got you got drug tested because you just had such tight delt separation <laughs> When it's like everyone else comes off the platform, like a bit out of shape. And then there's Yusuf when he like, as soon as he tensions to pull the bar off the ground, there's like, like chest just like fans out. Full, full, full Fucking peacock. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's quite funny in that situation because in clothes, you don't look like you lift. Out of clothes, people are like, no way are you 74 kilos. Yeah. Which is a big dichotomy, right? Mm. Yeah. So then did continuing to doing doing gymnastics like throughout that. And that was kind of what initially got me into weightlifting in the first place, like to condition for gymnastics. Then had an ongoing disc issue, which um, I remember Chris came to my house and um, brought like a gift package, which was like an innocent smoothie. I I believe Soreen, like a bunch of drugs. Volterol. Yeah, Volterol. Like that that was lovely. That was bad. I remember the, the pain was so bad. You like couldn't walk. Oh, it, God, you were like you were tearing up because you were moving and it was hurting so much constantly and, yeah like yeah. just like spent a few days just lying on the floor and like if you have to go to the bathroom you're like oh no it, it felt like such a journey because it would yeah. take like an hour to like support yourself over um that culminated in getting ill in hospital with an infection but then got kind of i think a discitis or a just Gitis. worsening of that <laughs> vagitis lost yeah. function of my left leg for a bit <laughs> so for about six months um lost sensory motor function of the the <laughs> s1 dermatome of my left leg um yeah, yeah me too mate yeah. <laughs> so it was like time. sort of like shuffling around for a few months like i couldn't couldn't extend my left foot thinking like well that's it i've finally done it like i've ignored all the pain signals <laughs> deadlifting and you know and it's because well, it, and it, it's actually totally because of this this like bravado attitude you see online of like if you don't squat every day to a max you're a pussy and if if you're in pain it's it you know you just got to train through it and all this stuff and I just like there, there was literally I've got a screenshot of like some marketing thing from T Nation of a guy saying I was taking this micro PA supplement and I gained 15 pounds of muscle even while I was so ill that I had to drag an oxygen canister around the gym with me and you're like. If that's not irresponsible marketing. Do <laughs> mm. you remember the, the video that was like, Sebastian Corset gained 400 pounds on his leg press and dropped 25% body fat? And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I need. Marketing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so did did that program bodybuilding? Well, I I bodybuilder. I, I bodybuilder. God, that was so... developed out of a black ops bodybuilding project. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> really well produced. Um, you couldn't get away so... with that now. In the in the in the era of GDPR, there's no way. You could get away with, with the fucking... Excuse me. Have you got my leg press data? <laughs> the, the era of yeah, GDPR and um, COVID and complaints and like wow. post modernism at a time kids kids today will never know when you could watch a video like that and actually be legit convinced that like this is all you needed was the i bodybuilder program like how nice life was when when the jack jack 3d pre-workout had illegal compounds in it like literally had an amphetamine uh, yeah one three dimethyl amylene i believe it's called the derivative of amphetamine or something yeah do you remember the first time you took that yeah what happened very itchy face i also was because i was taking a lot of no explode no explode at the time that was my (laughs) no explode was my was my boy because i just thought that the more nitric oxide that i had in my body the 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 bigger i was so i was just taking that and i'm like i'm fucking hard as fuck me fuck off um, so I like, put two of it in and it was actually, it was like, the taste is not too bad. It's like lemon and lime sort of lovely. flavor. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, pretty Delicious. easy to get down. Definitely over measured it. And, um, I remember spending most of that training session, just desperately scratching my face. Like cause yeah. you get the, the, um, blood capillaries dilate, right? Is that correct? Scone? Is that why? You, I mean, like all of the effects of an amphetamine, like there's, there's always people talking about pill willy from from jack actually jack 3d i think i got a i got a seven rep pb so i hit my three rep max for squats for 10 <laughs> and and then i was really unwell for a week afterwards like I, I kind of stumbled home from the gym like you know when you start to see the the tunnel vision start to kick it closes in, in. your yeah. peripheral and, and then i was like oh and i just went to bed and just ill for a few days for a long time yeah. i remember looking at the because i think i'd gone by this point I'd been take I'd been we'd been trying like NO explode and all these different pre workouts and I'd even gone like off piste because this is back when in the good old days when my protein the way they worked was you could just buy bags of individual supplements and sort of make Blend your own together. thing yeah it, my so, like, protein yeah exactly yeah like back like before they were releasing like the my vegan bars you know when they were, when it was done properly so I was I was already like mixing like arginine and caffeine and like stirring it all up and like necking it before the gym so Horny I remember looking weed. at the yeah tri- like tribulus all the stuff you could possibly get in your pre-workout looked at the tub i was like, i'm sure it said like no more than three scoops i was like bollocks like <laughs> I, I have a lot of coffee i have a lot of stuff i'll just i'll try four there's no way it's more caffeine than a normal pre-workout hit a i think i got like two, just <laughs> 230 for six deadlift which at the time was mental like way over similar to yourself then went to the cinema and it was also my high carb day. Went to the cinema, had two bags of wine gums, and then just got debilitating cramp in the cinema. <laughs> so I remember, like, I remember standing outside. I had to leave the cinema, standing outside the showing with my leg on a bin, trying to stretch out my hamstring, and, like in like seething, like really bad pain. And everyone's walking past, going like, I'm just like, you see how long his legs are. <laughs> so here's here's something that i can see that's a universal across both of yours which is that um part of the inflection point where you changed your training methodology occurred due to injuries 
of one kind or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a disenchantment with training, um, a lack of novelty in the training that you were doing because you'd done a lot of it already. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. I think realizing that like all that we've been doing was aggravating the injury and just continuing to ignore the fact that it was just making it worse and being like, why am I just pursuing loading my body with more and more weight with no particular end point? Because you, you can get away with it when you're 18 and you're just basically made of like, you're just like one of those packs of jelly. Yeah, jelly that you drop in the water. You just it, like it's that incredible. One. I remember being able to do like heavy, like I snatch and then deadlift to a max and then go to gymnastics that evening and then wake up the next day feeling absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just normal, no doms or anything. Now, like... I feel like I've been hit by a bus. Well, let's remember. <laughs> remember what I said during my definition. This is this is why the fitness menopause is such a robust concept because it mm. is as you become chronically aware of your own mortality. Maybe you mm. get injured once or twice. Maybe your bounce back from the injury doesn't quite happen as quickly. Maybe you realise that um, your fitness, like actual genuine cardiovascular fitness, hasn't been cared for apart from only in service of a cut. Um, for like a long time. Like if the only oh, yeah. time that you ever get your heart rate up is in the months of May, June and bit of July before the lads holiday or like the girls, the girls trip away and stuff. And um, yeah, the, I, I think there's, and the same for me, right? The, all of the different categories that you guys identified there from training to just have externalized, socialized rewards to then getting a little bit bored with it to then getting a little bit injured to then trying a few things to then finding something that I'm happy with and then dialing my training back and then actually finding um, a sense of fulfillment and pleasure uh, where training becomes integrated into my life as opposed to being my life, which it was for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's actually part of a broader menopause which occurs. But if I need to, if saying menopause so much is triggering i don't know whether menopause is like a, a a word that we really shouldn't be using but it's the one that we've chosen we are going to be in a bit of trouble no people know i think people know what we mean good don't they good yeah. thank you um voice of reason there yeah um <laughs> i think it's part of a broader menopause that you go through again you know especially i think particularly for guys because we mature so much, so much more slowly. Like there's so much latent maturity that should have occurred in men <laughs> under the age of 25. And then it kind of like, it's, you know, when you pull a spring and it's starting to load up and load up and load up and then the thing holding the spring at the back lets go and it goes. Mm. Well, it, except for the fact that you can, I think you can make a fart joke to a man of any age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, still yeah. funny. Yeah, you've yeah. got, you've got, latent uh like old school grandfathered in jokes like that haven't you so um but yeah i think it's a part of that as well because it was at the same time that i made that switch to crossfit that i was like oh i'm gonna play around with a little bit more self-development and maybe i'm gonna question whether i should deprogram the way that i use alcohol and oh maybe i should see if i can start working on my sleep routine oh maybe i should do this podcast and start reading and do you know a bunch of other things so i think it it all is part of a a, a wider change that people go through in their lives but i genuinely believe that um by looking at different ways to integrate fitness into your life you can potentially service some of those other changes you know if you start to now train for something which is genuinely internally enjoyable to you 
which has objective measures of performance, which I think is a really big thing. Like if all that you're doing is subjective measures of, of progress, mm. i.e. aesthetics and bodybuilding, you're never ever going to actually know if you're making progress. And that's one of the reasons that I think people have anxiety about their training, that they never actually know if they're better. You know, it's like, am I, am I actually like, well, I mean, do my delts look, my delts look a bit better than last year, but like maybe my glutes are a bit more down and blah, blah. Like, uh, so it, it's one of the most depressing things about bodybuilding as a sport that like, even if you're a professional bodybuilder, yeah, you can go by measurements, but really like the way that it's ultimately judged is by a subjective panel preference. of judges. Preference. And, and there, yeah. there are Mr. Olympias that have been busting themselves for ages to try it and they'll just never win because the judges don't happen to like their physique and you're like mm. well i prefer no. a physique that's got a little bit more traps and you're like well, what the fuck does that mean yeah I know. like what do you mean by that whereas again if you've got crossfit this is one of the uh, definitely one of the things that you can say about crossfit powerlifting weightlifting 100 kilos is 100 kilos like it's always going to be 100 kilos and if you lift it 10 times last week and then 11 times this week you have made definitively by definition you have made progress yeah yeah the thing the thing that is good about so the thing that's a challenge about most strength sports most barbell based sports probably not including strongman is you are trying to improve such a narrow range of things that it's quite easy to have like especially once you've been training for three four years it's quite easy to have like six months years where you made a, maybe don't make any progress at all. Like I think my bench stalled for like four years. Like add up the reps done to oh. achieve nothing. Like objectively <laughs> nothing. And you think, well, what's the point? Where something like CrossFit, because the the it's just this broad plane of things you could improve on. Um, it's a. I think mentally it's easier. What it also. Well, it's, it- it's why you start slacklining, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a perfect example of something that is for no gain other than I think it's quite fun. And Seth, you got you got to do it with me. And um It's hard. It's, it's real challenging, but <laughs> mm. like, I'm not doing it because I think it's gonna improve my glute gains. I'm not gonna lie and say that um it is there's not a little bit of me that wants to be good at it so that I can show off. Like, I'm aware mm-hmm. I'm aware that that's probably in there. That's deep why down. we do anything. But I, I genuinely like that slacklining. For people that don't know slacklining, it's kind of like less weird. Um, uh, what's that thing they used to do in the circus? Tightrope. Tightrope. It's like less weird tightrope, isn't it? Um, but you can, it's a flat piece of material that you can stand on and walk along and, and kind of the real good people can, can go like tricks. this. Yeah, you wiggle from side to side. Um, but that with a podcast on in the sunshine for an hour is... Mm for me what like beautiful way to spend an afternoon especially if it's a rest day from more heavy heavily loaded training but if you Mm -hmm. told 21 year old chris that my idea of a good sunday afternoon would be to go and listen to a couple of fellas talk in a room in a pair of wireless headphones and stand on a flat piece of material in between two trees in the park next to my house i'd have been very very disappointed I, show, I guess that shows how our preferences and, and stuff. I, I think most people get into it to begin with because they just want to be more attractive and like more impressive. Like they want to impress their mates or impress. Get into bodybuilding, do you mean? Or yeah, or like just fitness in general. Like most people, it's because they want to improve how they look and they want to improve how they look to be more impressive. Mm-hmm. But I think once you've, like, that, we've all entered the phase at which 
like it actually stops being impressive and starts being a bit weird. So like, how, we, how much do you lift, mate? Three hundred. Well, uh, how much? Even just someone telling you you're too lean to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how much work? How much have they had to sacrifice to get there? When you see someone that is that lean, you know mm. that they can't have that much else going on in their life. So this mm. is the bizarre thing about what signaling does. Signaling in any form tells you a lot more than just that one signal is. So, okay, what are the second, third, fourth order effects back upstream from whatever I'm seeing in front of me? Like mm. this particular person who's unbelievably lean, strong, big, whatever it might be, they have to have some deficiencies elsewhere or they have to have some side effects, should I say, not necessarily deficiencies, because there's been some sacrifices that have had to be made for that. Um, and yeah, as, as your preferences change across time, I think it, um, it's, and the, the other thing as well is gym bros, especially they select or they identify a very particular type of caricaturistic a caricature that girls don't actually find all that attractive. Mm-hmm. Like if you gave a lad that was just a normal fella who was confident because he'd worked on being socially capable and a guy who was much more reserved, didn't have any of the social capabilities, but did 531 for a couple of years. The guy that is able to laugh and joke and and, and go on with people in a group is going to be significantly more popular socially and also significantly better with the opposite sex. And the same, I think, goes for girls as well. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that's a good point. Like in terms of attractiveness, like from selecting for the things that you're training for, but even within that as well. So we've just posted an Instagram post of uh, the the attributes that people typically train for. In ter- so so that men typically train for when they're when they're wanting to to look better is biceps, abs, shoulders, triceps. Like whereas the attributes that women on average prefer physically in men are glutes, back, um, and legs. So is that a study somewhere? Yeah, I'll I'll try and find the citation, but it's it, it basically says that like we, we are optimizing for the wrong thing. If you're if you're training to to look better for the opposite sex, like the things that you think are important are not the things that the people opposite. find attractive in you. Do the opposite. Yeah. I was saying this to Becca the other day. We were just walking Dexter and I just had this realization of like you can tell a lot about someone by how much they barbell row. <laughs> yeah. Can't, like you meet someone with a huge barbell row and like that person very patient wasn't an accident was definitely wasn't an accident what isn't doing it really for any kind of approval because like who brags about their barbell row you can't see the effect of a barbell row in the mirror it is pure just like i am in the pursuit of self-improvement here <laughs> and that's all i'm after i just want to slightly improve my barbell row over time <laughs> So and the, I, I the, just don't think the there are very many other, makes you more attractive well exactly well. yeah i just don't think there are very many other exercises you can say that of maybe a dumbbell so any rowing movement chin up probably as well but even that's a bit it a feels showy. a bit more bicepy. yeah a bit more showing well, i mean deadlifts. deadlifts i don't know i think like that's the most way you can move isn't it on an exercise pretty much mm, yeah so when people are doing rack, like three inch rack pulls you're like come on mate yeah what's going on here stop this. Look, at, look at that uh, so yeah, I think, like I say, part of a broader change that people have where they start to 
remember that they used to do art as a kid. Ah, oh, maybe I'm going to go and take an art class, or maybe I'm going to start doing another language, or I'll re-pick up the guitar. I haven't played that in however many years, or you know. And this is I, to some of the listeners who are older than we are this might just sound like we're going yes mate that's what getting fucking older is whereas to us we're like oh look my mm. body my body's changing and my injuries aren't going away as quickly and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome yeah. aging motherfucker yeah. well I, I would quite like if, if there's anyone listening who is over the age of 35 40 and thinks that we're just spouting absolute obvious truisms then please comment and let us know <laughs> yeah. but everything's everything's obvious to someone isn't it yeah. Like if we were if we were genuinely putting out like groundbreaking information here, then I think that's quite. Menopause, something. I think fitness menopause is fairly groundbreaking. <laughs> I, think, I think when you map, I think when you start to map, and man, I hope that we've red pilled the shit out of some people today. I hope that there's some listeners who will go away and think I'm actually going to try a different form of training because I don't feel that engaged with my rose style split anymore i don't really feel mm. like it's benefiting me across the board i'm sick of having my um progress judged purely subjectively by myself like not even yeah. by other people there is something a bit like that so that's very important for people that are at the the fall side of the curve Apex. the end of the curve <clears throat> there are also people who are pre this curve and should not assume that they've hit the fitness menopause if you've been training less than two three years you are nowhere near the fitness menopause. And if anything, if you don't lift weights and, you, and you're doing other stuff, you will always benefit from getting, you'll still get a lot of the, the like the low-hanging fruit from lifting weights just for a bit, just get mm-hmm. a basic level competence. And then you can do whatever you, yeah. whatever you like. Well, it's, I mean, that's coming from a proper, proper doctor. I mean, not, proper doctor. not your doctor. We are not. We are not <laughs> your doctor, doctor, but yeah. he is a doctor. And um, yeah, wh- what was it that you said before that um, a lot of the biomechanical problems and health problems that you get would be fixed if someone could do a body weight squat and a push up? Oh, for, in terms of soft tissue niggling injuries and like all all that kind of stuff, absolutely. But there, there is also just a pure uh, mortality improvement, like all cause mortality. It, one one of the biggest factors is grip strength. And yes, that's a correlation and it might be the people who are dying have weaker grip and so on. But if you improve your grip strength, if you improve your total muscle mass, there are so many metabolic, cardiovascular um, and just overall mortality um, improvements and reduction in risk that you can get from that. Plus, you look better, you feel better. Like it's a no brainer to lift weights for a bit and just get basic levels of strength. I bought a Rolling Thunder. Have I told you about this? Do you know what Rolling Thunder is? No. No. So it's a spinning handle. It's a big spinning handle. Think of fat grips. Yeah. Everyone who's going through fitness menopause knows what a fat grip is. That's another thing. Yep. So think of a fat grip. So it's a handle that, that comes down and clips onto a lifting pin that you plate load. And then you, so that you've got, you've got plates, a yep. pin and a handle that spins yep. that's, that's wide. And you have to pick uh, yeah, that yeah, up, yeah, pick yeah, that up grip. and get it up to a certain height. Now that is one of the most it's got the weirdest like strength curve so i can do like sets of five sets of 10 with 50 kilos but i cannot make 60 kilos leave the floor at all and it's just grip it's like pinch and support um, grip why are you trying to improve your grip because because why not banter what is that just it's just something i've not tried so i was like i saw that i was like oh that's pretty good i wonder wonder what i could do on that and then lo and behold a lot harder than you think 
Did you get retargeted with the discount at some point on a pixel? Bet you did. It was actually it was actually Martin Burkan. So he's someone who's just been right the whole time, um, and still is right. Um, but he started working on his grip because I think he couldn't deadlift or something, or he had maybe had golfer's elbow or something like something happened. So he's like, I'm going to work on my grip, and he's gone full deep end with it. Like he's, I think he's competing in Iron Mind competitions and things with it. So Iron Mind are the people who make the the proper lifting straps. Like if anyone's seen a set of blue lifting straps, does anyone know what I mean? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're they're like, very I've got some rated R, like they, you know, they you, they'd never snap. Big deal. Put it that way. Yeah. Have, has anyone, have you all got a captain of Crush as well? A cock. No. Have you used one? Have you used one, Chris? No, I don't. I do not need to do more forearm work. For, yeah, that's true. <laughs> your grip's really impressive, actually, Chris. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. We should test your grip. <laughs> but there's yeah. like there's, there's Crush, there's Pinch, and there's Support. Three aspects of grip. And You've I really just got deep on grip, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, by accident though. Well, Chris has got turgid, turgid, and turgid, hasn't he? For full, full, lean, and striated. <laughs> so a, a captain of crush is like a one of those old school grip trainers. It's like looks like that, and you you, you squeeze it together. And fried chicken. There's five different difficulties. I I was like, I'll go for a three. Like that'll be. I, I can barely move it. Like it's yeah. so that they're, they're clearly not just made for like one to five difficulty yeah. for general population. It's like, I think no. number five, like two people in the world have ever closed it or something. Well, number five is just a solid object, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a bit of metal. Just a box. Yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. metal box. What's this for? <laughs> so. Well, so like the, I think the world record rolling thunder lift is like 120, 130 kilos. And you hear that and you think, it doesn't sound that bad. That was literally what I thought. I was, I was like, I wonder whether I wonder what I could I do a hundred kilos? Not even close. Not even half of that lift I can even budge off the ground. And you're, and you're like, you can, you can deadlift. Like, well, you're like, what can I improve here? Like, am I honestly going to try and hypertrophy my forearm? Like, <laughs> not. Who, who's that made for? Like, if 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 you are a, you've been to world's powerlifting, like, and you've got and your deadlift is your strongest movement. Yeah, and you still can't. Like, You're the guy that can't get half of the world record in that. Thing. It's people who are doing like five by five with three hundred, isn't it? It's it's the it's when Number you think, when you think you're strong, and like you, you strongest out your mates, you go to a powerlifting competition, you're like mm, not that strong, and then you win a powerlifting competition, you're like oh, I'm pretty strong, and then you go to worlds, and you just stand at the entrance and you just go, nah. well. <laughs> And you see, there's a fellow with a checkered shirt who walks in and, and cut off <laughs> cut off jean shorts and high military boots. But, no, but, on. but that's the thing. That's what you expect. But none of them are like that. That's Just to finish thing things off, Johnny, can you talk to us about the um, the Chinese lady at Finland? Oh Jesus! Yeah. Okay. So warm up room. Well, so like, it's like Lane Norton, Christoph Wisbicki, like Ray Williams, all these like people you've seen in on Instagram, warming up in this room. And in the corner is a is an old Chinese lady wearing like bandages, like medical bandages around her knees, doing tempo squats with 170. And she must have been like, she must have been 60 odd kilos, but it was just like straight line, straight line. Just grooving, just, just control. High bar. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and like when you've got like Polish world champions, like what's that? You know, like you're like, who are you? And no one really, she wasn't competing. Just she was training, just in, just she was just in the warm-up room getting a session in. Jesus Christ. But yeah. but yeah, none of them are 
none of them are that they're all just like totally unassuming like you, you see them afterwards sort of in the Finnish supermarket buying some like weird cheese and a sausage or something and like they all just look like completely normal people but on a platform monsters would you not think Absolute that's monsters. that's the most interesting thing about people that do these physical pursuits it's that you could see them out at the supermarket mm-hmm. and just think oh he's a normal he's just uh-huh. a, he's yeah, just I mean. a normal fella yeah it's like you know the people who have done mma but don't have cauliflower ear you're like yeah. you're the yeah. really dangerous bastard you're the one to keep away from because i can that. identify someone who's done bjj for 10 years because they've got the they've got the ears but like if you're <laughs> one of the people who's managed to protect his ears you're just yeah. a, a nuclear warhead a complete lethal weapon just walking around it's very fight club it very is, fight club it is very fight club uh, look we've done it fitness menopause we'll see uh, if anyone's been red pilled by that let us know if uh, any of those points resonate with you i know that they do they either do resonate with you or you're lying to yourself about the fact that you don't think they resonate with you or you're Stop, just not trained long enough yeah just yeah. To, what's the okay so final thing how long does someone need to do a push pull leg split before they're allowed to enter the fitness three, menopause club. Three to five years of pec deck and leg press. With or, no do, or do something like 531, where like you, you want to be regularly thinking Monday, you want to be worried about your Friday squat session. <laughs> Thursday night, you want to be really like you struggling wanna, yeah, to sleep. Thursday night, you want to be like, no, no, I can't go out tonight because tomorrow, <laughs> like I need an early night. Why? It's well, three it's week. like six, it's the sixth wave of the threes week of 531. <laughs> What do you what do you what do you mean? Why do I need an early night? If that's how you start thinking, and you start and you're going into the gym terrified, and if you miss the rep, you're devastated. Sit in that phase of time for at least a couple of years, then you're allowed to do something else. Fitness menopause club. Look, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, PropaneFitness.com/slash/podcast will not slash modern wisdom unbelievable gets it wrong every time sorry slash modern wisdom yeah good well that's for people who want to do online coaching um or you can go to forward slash calculator if you want some macros i love it man thank you gentlemen thank you very much i'll get you on again soon but for now bye 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 bye